You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Call me Adam.com. Good afternoon, everybody. I am so excited to be back in the closet where I conduct all of my print and all of my video and podcast interviews. And today I am so honored to talk to one of America's favorite TV dads, television and Broadway theater star, Dan Loria, who is known for his role on the original TV series, The Wonder Years as Kevin's dad, Jack Arnold. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Rothenberg. And for the past 14 years, I have been conducting, uh, I have been cooking up the secret sauce to a memorable interview. With over 1,500 interviews under my belt, I have been serving this recipe over and over again. I pull back the curtain to reveal the secrets of my guests' lives and careers. So without further ado, please welcome Dan Loria. Hi, Dan. Hey, Adam. It's so great to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So you are about to start in the Chain Theaters 2023 Winter One Act Festival. So I'm in uh, uh, Deadly Sins and Other Tales, Six One Acts by Lyle Kessler, my old friend. One of America's great playwrights. I mean, he wrote Orphans, which, by the way, is the number one produced American play around the world. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How exciting. So how did you get involved with the play and with Chain Theater? Well, I got involved with the play because Lyle blackmailed me, said, you got to come and do it in one act play. He's one of my favorite people. We've known each other since 1977. We were the original, he and I and P.J. Barry were the original playwrights and residents at St. Clement's Church. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, long time. So we're old theater rats, you know. That is so exciting. And I, I tell you, I got to thank people, especially people like you, who have not abandoned the theater. The theater's such a regional theater, especially, and a lot of the off-Broadway theaters, they're in such trouble now after COVID. They've lost about 40% of their, uh, their subscription. It's really hard. So people like you, Kurt, Christina, you know, us theater rats, we owe you. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad to be able to help keep theater alive mm -hmm. and going. So what, um, so, so he blackmailed you to do the play yeah. and you said yes. So yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I would have done it if I hated it. So, <laughs> but Lyle gave me this short piece about, uh, an Israeli defense minister questioning a beautiful young Arab girl, I guess we should say woman now, but she's young, who was attempting to commit a suicide bombing and didn't do it. Oh, wow. And it's short, maybe 15 minutes long, but very powerful. It's got, we put in a little humor in it, but it's a real powerful piece. Yeah. And what do you relate to about your character? You know, also, like, how do you prepare to, you know, as you're rehearsing, how do you prepare each, how will you prepare each night to get into that mindset? 
Well, I'm not a method actor, so I just learned my lines. Huh. <laughs> but Bahar, the woman I'm with, Bahar Bajaj, she really gets motivated into it. And I ask a lot. It's one of those characters that asks a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So my motivation is just listening to her. You know that old adage, don't act, react? Mm -hmm. That's yes. very true when you're playing a character like that. And before I got back to New York, Bahar was saying, everybody who read would have read it so hard and trying to get, and I read it because my character lost a son mm. from a bombing. And she had got tempted to do this because her boyfriend who she was planning to marry was killed accidentally in a bombing. Wow. So instead of coming in there as a hardiest, I came in more fatherly, you know, mm -hmm. firm, like the one years, fatherly. And I really play off of her. She's wonderful. I mean, it sounds like it's very, it's, it's a very uh, emotional, emotional play that he wrote, the, the one act. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it appears like it's almost all emotional for the girl and I'm just doing my job as a defense minister, but by the end of the play, they realized how much it affected me too. Mm. And again, I don't have to work on that because she's so good. You just listen and go with, you know, so. Everybody should be so lucky to be able to act opposite somebody like that. Yeah. Charles Durning was the great actor was, he and Jack Klugman were my mentors. Oh. And if you ever asked them, you have any advice about acting? Charlie would say, yeah, don't get caught at it. <laughs> so, and Jack would say, yeah, don't act. <laughs> Meaning don't act. So you play off other people. Interesting. That is great advice. Mm -hmm. And what would your, what would your advice be? As would that be your advice as well? Or would you add something to what they uh, have said? No, that would be my advice as well. But I would also suggest, especially to young people to, uh, it's called a play for a reason. You're supposed to be playing. Enjoy it, love it. And you'll find that the more you love it, the harder you work, not the less you work, you know? So I can't imagine ever going into rehearsal for a play without having already memorized the lines. Mm. It's so much fun, you know? Plus I get to show the director the way I think it is. He'll probably change all of it anyway, <laughs> even the writer, but at least I get one shot at doing it the way I see it. I always had fun doing theater. You know, everybody says, why do you go? You know, I've, I've never gone a year, even the COVID year without doing a play. And everybody says, oh, you know, you don't make any money. And I say, yeah, but nobody cuts up my performance. Nobody stops. You know, I'm, when I started a business, there wasn't anybody in front of the camera that hadn't done theater. Now, the young people, most of them have gone through college making 10-minute movies. Mm -hmm. But they haven't. Since I, I'm, a lot of them, I, I don't think they realize what they're missing. Yeah. I've, I've, I always, I always like to ask because, um, and, and somebody of your caliber, I would love to know what you think. How do you feel theater helped you either prepare for 
you know, acting on TV or vice versa? How do you feel working in TV helped you prepare for theater roles? Well, I, I never adhered to that. Oh, on camera, you have to be smaller. It's so intense. No, I think that the best thing that ever happened to me was doing a lot of plays in very small theaters where the front row is like two feet away from you. And Charlie Durning's advice was always, when you go in front of the camera, just remember you're playing to the toughest audience in the world, the crew, and they're right there and they've seen everything and you do it for them. You give it for them and it'll go through the camera to the audience. So I always, when I'm in front of a camera, I always feel I'm in front of a small state. And one of the years we had a great cinematographer, Steve Confer, who also operated a camera. And when we finished the scene, if he got up off the camera, that was the biggest compliment in the world. That means no matter how many times they're gonna make us do it again, we were great. And if we finished the scene and he still sat on the camera, it was like, oh, I didn't get it. You know, we could be better, you know. So they know what they're doing. You know, these are pros. And, and there's a lot of friends of mine who are going to come. They're pros. They're not going to they're not going to sit there and go, oh, you were good or you were bad. They were going to go, what was your choice? You know, I, why did you do that? Why did you do this? Hey, you know what you missed? You might, might have got a laugh here, you know? And that's the way pros talk. You know, like Jack Klugman always said, we're always good. That's not what it's about. On our worst night, we'll be good. What makes those special nights? What makes those special moments? You know, you find them in rehearsal and on stage. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Do you ever, I've spoken to a few actors who sometimes they try to purposely trip up their scene partner. Do you ever try to like play jokes or anything of that nature? No, but I've, uh, I've had jokes played on me, but they were for good reasons. You know, I was, I was doing a terrible workshop down at uh, Public Theater when I was younger with Charles Durning. And it was terrible. And, and we just, you know, it was only two weeks, but the cast was really in the dumps. Why are we doing this? You know, and Charlie had to come out and give me a scroll and I had to read a long speech. And we really, it was a terrible play. We had a terrible night. The next night, Charlie came out and gave me a piece of paper about four by four <laughs> <laughs> on stage. <laughs> I said, this is it. 
And he said, you got it. So I went through the whole thing as if I was reading it on this little card. And about halfway through, I flipped the card and I said, it's in code. <laughs> but I said, Charlie, what are you crazy? And he said, hey, we were so flat. Somebody needed to do something. So he knew what he was doing. You know, he's a pro. He was trying to pick us up. So bringing it back to um to the play for a moment, Deadly Sins and Other Tales, Six One Acts. Um, what is something you you hope audiences get from watching from watching these this one act? Well, in my particular one act, I hope they realize that uh, all these conflicts around the world, you know. Uh, the Irish and the English, the uh, Arabs and the Jews, and you go on the Armenians and the Serbs and the creation. In uh, all these things, we are always looking for heroes and, and villains. But really what it is, is a world full of victims. Mm. And that's what they're gonna see. And when you're, um, when you're in a show, um, do you what kind of like boundaries do you put up when you're performing like for instance I once time saw an interview with Celine Dion and she was saying that when she goes out on tour in between performances she doesn't speak she writes everything down to help preserve her voice so do you put up any kind of boundaries like that when you're when you're working no I'm a little bit of the opposite uh, when I'm performing I try to drop the character immediately after the show because I don't have the energy anymore. I'm 75 years old. I can't carry that around day in, day and night. And it also makes me look forward to the next show. I mean, like Lombardi. You know, we did 286 performances. And trust me, you I don't care how you're feeling. The second you see Judith Light, you better be ready to go. She's the best. Yes. And I'd come in, I'd bring her coffee every night. We'd sit, we'd talk. We, we wouldn't do any exercises or vocals. We'd relax, we're calm. And then just as we're ready to go out, she goes, you ready coach? I say, ready. And you went out. You know, between Judith Light and the idea of Coach Lombardi coming out of the clouds and kicking my <laughs> ass, you know, you, you, you didn't need any motivation. You know, I couldn't wait to get there. Matter of fact, I've had a lot of offers to do that play again, and I just would never do it without Judith. Well, maybe you could blackmail her to do it with you the way that uh, <laughs> yeah. that Lyle blackmailed you to do this one. <laughs> yeah, well, she's pretty busy. She works a lot. You know, she's a, she's in front of the camera all the time now, where she should be. Yes, yes. I, I was very lucky to get to see you in Lombardi, and um, oh, thank you. So excited to that you because you also got to work with um, Keith Nobbs, who I've interviewed before. And Keith uh, is Bill isn't Keith a great actor. Yeah, keeps leaving to go. You know, he's such an intellect. You know, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He went to become an anthropologist and then law school, and then he comes back to the city for two days and gets a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's that talented. You know, yes. I can. I don't know whether I hug him or kill him. You know, <laughs> just, so. He was great. And Bill Dawes, too, I have interviewed before. And Bill and I, when I used to do stand-up comedy, I used to perform on some of the same shows as Bill. He was so yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Bill, uh, I still see Bill at the comedy store in L.A. And oh. Yeah, he even robbed one of my jokes. So. <laughs>
anyway, he's Bill is very, he's another guy with such a great, I did three plays with Bill, two before Lombardi. And of course, Chris Sullivan was on there from This Is Us. Yes. And the cast was loaded. I was, you know, people said, how can you do 286 shows? I said, you never missed a show. I said, I, I, I can't imagine missing a show so much. I couldn't wait to get to the theater. I loved Wednesday because I get to do it twice. Yes. So. And speaking of Chris Sullivan, you also got to work with him on This Is Us. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like to like reunite with him? Did you guys reminisce at oh, all about Lombardi or? Yeah, no, we've kept in touch, you know, on the, on Judith's birthday. I write all of them and say, you better, it's mom's birthday. You better get in touch. Can I sign a coach, you know? So we've, and, and Chris, uh, Dan Fogelman, who created This Is Us, Chris was asked, who would you like to be your parents? And he immediately said, Dan Laurier and Judith Light. So Dan, I had worked for Dan on pitch. So he called me and he said, Judith is not available. And I said, how about Wendy Malik? And uh, Chris said, hey, I never met Wendy, but if Dan recommends it, let's go. And of course we had a great time. I wish they used Wendy and I more. And you've worked with Wendy a lot throughout oh, yeah, your we, career. Yeah. Yes. Well, she's, she's like Judith. You know, we mm -hmm. do the guys. We do love letters. We usually do them for charities, for theaters. Mm -hmm. And we started a Durango Play Festival. And we're counting on people like Kurt and Christina here from the chain to hopefully we can give them new plays or they can give me new writers and we try to get, you know, we're, we're really in trouble in the theater and the yeah. theater. I don't think that people realize how important theater is. It's our oral culture mm -hmm. and it's being sucked up into the zoom ethos that doesn't, I, I mean, I hate to be so harsh about it, but a hundred years from now, the war in the Ukraine, like Vietnam, like the Korean War, will be one line in a history book, mm -hmm. unless somebody writes a play like All My Sons, mm -hmm. or like Streamers, you know, or uh, uh, Home of the Brave, the Korean War. Mm -hmm. It's our oral culture. Yes. I mean, nobody's going to rem remember a Zoom game from now on or a movie that looks like every other movie with special effects. It's the theater that will really present the world we've come from mm -hmm. to the future. Yes. You know? And uh, we're losing that. We're losing that band. So thank God we have people like Kurt and Christina and Lyle Kessler. And, you know. and you've done you've done some playwriting yourself. Oh yeah, from what yeah, I read yeah. as well. Yeah. Yes, I've not yeah. gotten to see one of your plays yet, but um, well, hopefully you'll see one this fall. So oh. I, I, I have a play that's going to be done in the Berkshires in June. Then we're going to do it at, at the Berkshire uh, Barrington stages. And oh, then we're doing it in August at the Shadowland stages. Uh, and then hopefully uh, Eric Krebs wants to move it in New York. He wanted to move it in New York now. I, I like to 
I'm not a writer who acts, I'm an actor who writes. Mm -hmm. So I rewrite kind of, some of these writers, it's like they write in stones, like the Ten Commandments. You know, I, don't, I never understood that. So when I'm working with writers, uh, with actors, I they got a good idea. I rob it. I don't give them any credit. I take all the credit. I steal. So we're going to do it for a couple of weeks there in a couple uh, in Great Barrington. A couple of weeks at Shadowland stages, and then we'll bring it to New York and we'll see if it goes. Oh, terrific! Two-hander. Oh, wonderful! And do you um, will you be starring in it as well? Oh, yeah, I, I wrote it. I mean, they keep trying to kick me out of the business because I don't have a big agent or, you know, 9 million people on Facebook. So I write my way back in, you know. I love that. I love yeah. that. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. And what do you... Um... You know, what do you get from from writing plays that you don't get just from acting? Well, one, I get to write a character I would like to do, you know, that probably nobody would cast me in. And two, it's like this new play coming up. Uh, I, I got to do it with Jody Long, who I love. She's the president of SAG after Hollywood. We did a series together. And it's... Uh, two old comedy writers on a park bench who have dementia. So they don't remember the day before, but they meet every day and they write comedy and they fall in love. Wow. You get to laugh, you get the audience laughing, and then you get to pull that chain and get everybody crying. Yes. So I just love that. You know? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, one question going back to Lombardi for a moment. So I, I did read on your website that uh, you were discovered when you were on the football field your junior year. And yeah. um, so I was just wondering when you were in Lombardi, did you, you know, bring anything that you learned on the field to, oh, yeah. to oh, the yeah. role? Yeah, David Marinus, who uh, wrote the book that the play was based on, written by Eric Simonson. One of the reasons they wanted me was I understood everything that they were taught. I knew all those stories. Lombardi was my idol. Plus, whenever the football, the real football players were around, I could converse with them and we'd talk about it, you know. Oh, amazing. So, and then they said, oh, you look like him, which was not a compliment, but I said, okay, <laughs> well, for this show, it'll work. I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, I just have a few, um, what I call rapid fire questions to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. a little bit so um what's your favorite place to rehearse like when you're rehearsing on your own as opposed to in the rehearsal studio rehearsal uh, wherever the people i'm on stage with are comfortable that's my favorite place i'm a supporting actor i hated when they changed that to feature actor like charlie durning said we we're there to support the play and the lead you know i don't like to be the lead in a play you know, I like to be the support. I like to be that buttress that keeps everything together and makes everybody feel safe. That's why Charlie Durning and they were such great actors, Peter Falk, they always worked with the people. So, you know, I'll run lines anywhere, but I like to rehearse wherever the other people are happy or feel relaxed. Because I don't worry about anything. And, um, 
your favorite way to spend your day off? Well, I am, uh, I was one of those idiots in high school. I mean, I only got to college because of football and uh, I literally failed out. The coach got me back in and said, you know, you would be a good coach, but you've got to get through school. And I started reading for the first time in my life in college. Oh, wow. And I loved it. And then I was on a dean's list through college, through graduate school. I had, I just love reading plays or watching an old film and then reading about the film. Old films where they don't edit every time so I could actually watch the acting <laughs> and stuff. You know, so I'm an avid, an avid reader. Um, do you have any strange or unusual talents that nobody knows about? I have no talent whatever <laughs> you gotta you gotta remember i was in the original production of christmas story the musical i cannot sing a note i was the narrator i mean wendy malik she when she heard my agent told her i was got the job before he told me she emailed me a pig just flew by my house so I was sitting in rehearsal one day watching all these kids sing and dance and John Bolton, Aaron Dilly and, and Caroline McCormick. And they were so wonderful. And I looked over at John Randall, Randall and I said, John, I'm the least talented person in this room. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. You're wonderful, you're wonderful. And about 10 minutes later, he looked over and went, you're right. <laughs> so I have no special talent. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big thief. I, uh, I rob ideas. I think acting is, you know, I watch an old movie. When I do a character, I actually take styles and rhythms from old actors. Have you watched The Wonder Years? That's my, I saw Van Heflin playing that part. Oh, wow. I did The Price with Jack Klugman. He was always, this is, this is such a great production. You're so quick with the line. I said, Richard Conti, I'm doing Rich Conti. It's a two and a half hour play that wouldn't even be produced today. They would cut a third of it. I said, you, you know, and he goes, what? And then he goes, God damn it. Now, every time I look at you, I see Richard Conti. I said, well, good. It's getting us a half hour out of here, a half hour earlier. Even this little play I'm doing right now, I see Lee J. Conti. Wow. I see how he would do it. You know, I'm not doing an imitation but I'm using mannerisms and style and kind of, you know, just relaxed into it with a, a personality. You know how they tell actors, you know, go on a train and make sure be aware of, you know, little idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. that people would have. Well, that's great, but you can only see that for a second. But you can watch a movie like 12 Angry Men and see Lee J. Cobb go through that whole process and different mannerisms, how he holds his hand. Uh, that to me is, uh, that's where I, instead of, oh, getting inside of you, I look for these things in mm -hmm. people. That's, oh, that's so interesting. Charlie I, Durning did do it. He said he always did that. Yeah. He would. He would he, he loved James Cagney so much. He goes, no matter who I pick, I always end up with Jimmy Cagney. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. Yeah. 
Um, and if you could dream about anyone while you sleep, who would it be? I'm Italian. Sophia Loren. What are, what are you kidding me? Um, and what is something you'd like to share about yourself uh, with my audience that we didn't get to cover in this interview? You know, they talk about uh, all this PC stuff, uh, but I think there's a greater prejudice than any prejudice towards uh, Black Americans or gay Americans or Hispanic Americans or Asian Americans or Native Americans. And that is the prejudice towards older people. And I say it's greater because it encompasses all of them. And we have some good playwrights and because of grants to young minorities, nobody will even read them. And I can give you a, a great number of writers of all those different nationalities, all of the gay, straight, whatever. And nobody will even read their plays. Mm. And we can't fight prejudice by being more prejudiced. That's ridiculous. And it doesn't change the words on the page. Right. So, so please come support people like Lyle. If they can't come to this play, to please go see a play. And see a new play, see a new writer. You know, you, you know, I always tell people if you sit through a bad play, it's one of the worst nights of your life. But if you sit through a good play, you will remember it till the day you die. I remember I remember seeing, I remember almost every moment of seeing Charles Durney in the original championship season. I, I will never forget seeing Chorus Line. And, you know, I, I'm very close with Tommy Kale and, and Lynn. And seeing uh, Hamilton, that's an experience you will never forget. And to see something brand new that no one's seen before. Or even to walk out and say, that writer's, I want to see the next thing, right? That, that's something you'll never forget. So if I could share anything, just please help us get going again. Go back to your regional theaters. Encourage them to do new plays. Get your subscription back. Yes. Yeah. that is here to the chain. Yes, definitely come to the chain theater. And and um, your specific play runs January 28th through February 5th. Well, Dan, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. And just to remind everybody, Please go see Dan in Deadly Sins and Other Tales, Six One Acts. You have through February 5th to go see it at the Chain Theater. I'll have a ticket link up on my website, callmeadam.com. And so excited for your new play that you're writing that's going to be coming. Um, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Adam. Thanks for your support of the theater, too. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him, had him, lives for the business of show. Call me Adam.com.